0: Pray together. Heavenly Father, we see in your word that if we call ourselves by by your name by a Christian, then you do call us to go. So I pray for those who call themselves Christian in this morning would either begin to realize or more fully the, the call that you have placed on their life. Our life together individual lives it may be to go to a neighbor it may be to be a peacemaker it may be to reconcile family members it may be to serve in this city serve in this church it may be to to say in pray dear lord let my trust be without borders and go internationally I pray that we would know if we are Christian then we are called to send us, and then I pray for those today who would not call themselves Christian, that they would know the peace and the power and the love and the purpose that we are given in Christ Jesus, that it is why we exist to know your love and to be used for an eternal purpose, for individual lives, for cities, for the world. Show us that great purpose, change our lives, melt our hearts by your Spirit, Thank you, you can have a seat. And if you would turn to uh, Matthew 5, if you have your Bibles, and if you, uh, if you do not, there's a Bible uh, on the table in the back, you're welcome to borrow that, use that, uh, you're actually uh, welcome to take those home, we will give away Bibles. Matthew 5, we are in the middle of a series that we call God Bless You, uh, a phrase that many of us use very often, but it's talking about the blessings that God gives. And we're asking the question, uh, do you know those blessings? Do you have those blessings? Do you feel blessed? And even if you do not feel blessed, uh, the way we as the world would talk about blessings, uh, perhaps material uh, or relational or in our family, do you still know the blessings that are offered to us in Christ Jesus. Uh, this series is also uh, explicitly, I mean, all sermons should be, but this is, is really about salvation, knowing the blessings that we have when we would call or claim to be saved. And this series is based on what we call the Beatitudes uh, in Scripture, which is the opening of the Sermon on the Mount. And today, I will be talking about a very specific blessing that is a very specific challenge for many of us, and that is how do we forgive? Uh, One of the biggest questions I'm asked as a pastor is, and I I mean, I was asked it this week, how do I forgive uh, this person? How do I forgive, you know, blankety-blank? How do I forgive uh, when, when they are not owning up to how they hurt me over and over again? Uh, How do I forgive uh, when they don't own up to their sin or when they uh, don't repent? What we like to, some words we like to use in the church. How can I forgive? I'm getting ahead of myself. So let's just go to God's word and we will end up talking about forgiveness and really how to forgive. Because that's something all of us, myself included, are challenged to do. But called to do as Christians. So, Matthew 5. Verse 1 through 10, we're going to read today. Seeing the crowds, he, Jesus, went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Now, it's very important that I try to be as clear as possible here. Many of y'all have heard uh, these verses uh, either individually or together. And something, you know, I want y'all to know that these are not talking about eight different types of people. They're eight uh, beatitudes, eight blessed is or blessed are. These are not eight different types of people. It's one person with eight traits. And that person is the person who has truly, fully been saved and is living in the kingdom of God as a citizen in the kingdom of God. Now, that may be like heady for some of you. are like, what is the kingdom or kings? But Jesus always tells us that when you're saved, you enter into the kingdom. John 3, 3, a verse we've used every Sunday during this series. John 3 says, Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, we use that a lot, He cannot see the kingdom of God. What this is talking about is a person who is living in the kingdom, in God's kingdom. And all of these traits are all the blessings, as in God bless you, the blessings that we can have as citizens of his kingdom, as fully saved believers in Christ, what Jesus offers These things are possible and we can. And that's why I ask this question each and every Sunday. Do you think you're truly saved? Are you living this way? Have you heard Christianity this way? And if you are not living this way, and if you haven't heard it in this way, then let's really try to see, hey, is Jesus in your heart? Is Jesus in your life? We want to call people to salvation internally in our heart, but not just fire insurance. For now, to be merciful, to have a pure heart, to be peacemakers, to forgive. Now let me just back up and review real quick because you have to look at all of these together. So we started off, blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Uh, the, the first four are how we get into the kingdom. The last four are how we live into the kingdom. Starts off, blessed are the poor in spirit. We have to say... know my problems are are beyond me. I I mean I can't can't control them. Can't I can't do it. Can't do it. We have to mourn. We have to say the problem is it's not a relational problem, although it plays out like that. It's not an emotional problem, although it plays out like that. Uh, It's not a physical problem, although it can play out like that in depression and sleepless nights. It's a sin problem. We have to mourn for our sin, even though we may not. And all of us, you know, I mean we. You know, we're good, and and we live in this good world, and we want the white picket fence. So we may not have explicit sins. You know, we may not be able to see, you know, uh, lust or greed or pride or all of that, you know, real explicit just in your face. But we mourn the sin that's in all of our hearts. And that sin is us saying daily, hey, I own me. You know, God, I mean, let me live my own life. Hey, I know you created me, but I really own me. And we mourn that. And then blessed are those who are meek, who say, man, I can't do it. Turn to God in humility and surrender to God. And then last week we talked, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And we talked about a righteousness that is not in us, that we do not possess, we do not have, but is outside us in Jesus Christ. And that we need to base our lives on His righteousness, on His righteousness, record that he opens up to us a door to God. Here's a good way of, of saying this, because a lot of times we think, well, I got it in me, and I'm saying, well, we don't have it in us, but Jesus does. Here's, here's a couple of illustrations. You, you might connect with one of them. Um, first off, let's say you have, and you know, this is my dream, so I kind of hit on this, you have this wonderful Major League Baseball career. Uh, it, it's baseball season, so I know we're all football fans too, but you know, I'm the weird guy who likes baseball more than football. But a player who has, you know, this awesome baseball career. I mean, I could name one that some of y'all would know right now who's retiring. I mean, I I use him a lot. Derek Jeter. So he's retiring, but he's got this. I don't really track. Yeah, yeah, I mean, some of y'all aren't baseball fans. Okay, I love baseball. But let's say a baseball player has this great career. And the rest of his life is a lot of times based on that record. Because his record opens up doors for him. Opens up business opportunities. Uh, Opens up relational opportunities Uh, For some players, it'll open up marriage opportunities And it'll open up another marriage opportunity and another marriage opportunity. You know know how that goes for some But it's all based on that record even let's say they don't have a great record But let's say somebody throws a perfect game and has the perfect record the rest of his life He can live off that record people buying him meals business relationships endorsements Based on that record and you could look we could throw some football play, you know Sports, heroes, those that have the perfect record. Another type, though, let's say, uh, you know, I love history, too, and love the World War II. So someone comes back a war hero. And I'll use uh, a family member. I have a great uncle, uh, Uncle Murray Coffey, who was there at D-Day, went all the way through to Berlin. And the rest of his life, and I don't think he'd mind me saying this, a lot of his life was based on that military record in less than a year's time. That, that that record, surviving the Battle of the Bulge, uh, surviving D-Day, going through, uh, gave him uh, business opportunities, uh, gave him further relational opportunities. And he would say I mean, much of his life, a lot as a lot of veterans of that war would, was based on that war record. Uh, some of you high school students that are here, if you want to get into college, college is, it's not just based on, hey, you're a good guy, it's based on your high school record. And for, if any of you are in college that are here today, to get a good job, often it is based on your college record. So how do we then open a door to God? Because some of us may, you know, we may have been taught, we may have been raised, you know, God's like this, you know, God's just there. You know, kind of, in a lot of secular world, the world's, you know, just kind of this spiritual God there, and That's not what Christians believe. Christians believe we can't open that door, but that's why Jesus came to open the door to God, and it's based on His record. And so when we base our lives on His record, His perfect life, His perfect death, His resurrection, what He has given us, and not on our record, that is is when we really, really are saved. And we can really, really live when we base it on His record. And see, the problem many of us, myself included, have is we do, uh, we do the first three of these Beatitudes. We'll say, uh, my problem's beyond me. I know I, I can't do this. Uh, we mourn. Oh, man, I've sinned. You know, I'm just you know, breaking down on the altar. Uh, we're meek. We turn to God. We say, I surrender, God. Some of you do this every Sunday. We, we do that. And then we get hung up. And then we say, okay, I surrender. Now I'm going to clean my life up. Now I'm going to start coming to church. Uh, Now I'm going to start doing more Bible study. Uh, Now I'm going to get into a small group. Uh, Now I'm going to go on a mission trip. And we are, without even knowing it, consciously basing our salvation on on our record that we built up. And if you live your life like that, as I have, you either get uh, exhausted for trying to do all the good Christian work that you can do, Uh, You either feel guilty for when you fall and when you fail, or you get disappointed when God doesn't show up uh, in every uh, time you open up God's Word, although, you know, He does, but you may not feel Him because of the day you're going through. Every group you go to, every mission, you get either disappointed, guilty, or overwhelmed because we're really basing it on our record and not what He's done. A wonderful example of this also is in the Old Testament. I'm not going to go there, but it's in Genesis Many of you know the Sunday story of Joseph. Joseph who was sold to slavery by his brothers, okay? Which this actually foreshadows Jesus. So he's sold to slavery, he's in jail, and then by God's hand and by God's favor, God puts him, the the number two person in this kingdom, number two to Pharaoh. Then all of his brothers come before him because of the famine. And they need food. And Joseph is sitting there as the number two guy in the whole kingdom. And they come before him, and he knows that they're his brothers. They don't know him. And then when he reveals himself as their brother that they sold into slavery, they get so afraid. And so uh, they're weeping. They're like, he could kill us. And yet instead, Joseph weeps and says, I love you. And yes, you did this to me, but your purpose was for ill for evil and God turned it into good so now Joseph says I want you to live here in this kingdom based on my record because Joseph is close to the big man Pharaoh and because of what Joseph has done and his record there they can live in the kingdom it's really a beautiful story that is what Jesus has done saying because of what I've done you can live in my kingdom he would say Do you know this? Do you know this? Do you know Jesus is our elder brother? Do you know that we rebel rebel against him all of our lives? Do you know that he says, yes, you rebel against me, and yes, all of us killed Jesus. It wasn't just those centurions. When we say he died for our sin, that's a theological word that we all, he died for us. But I had to do that so I could save you. And so now receive my record and you can truly live. And we really need to be saying, instead of I own me, we need to say, Lord, I owe you everything. I owe you everything. And the life he gives us is what these Beatitudes show. Merciful, that we give mercy. Pure in heart. Peacemakers we are persecuted, it can only make us stronger because we're so secure in Jesus. Let me give you another story. Someone told me that they went to a counselor one time and it was not a Christian counselor, so let me be clear about that. It was like a secular counselor psychologist. And it's Mother's Day, so I I use this. This person had severe uh, bitterness towards their mom, you know, something that had happened. And so the counselor, they went several times and they finally came to an understanding of why they were so bitter. And then they asked the counselor, they said, how can I forgive her? And, and the counselor said, well, that's really up to you. I'm trying to help you understand why it's there. And then this person was like, well, why am I even here if I can't even come to forgiveness? And they said, well, that's a heart issue, and I'm not here to deal with the heart. I'm here to deal with your mind. And so a lot of times we walk through life and we try to understand the why the way things are, the way they are, instead of getting to the heart in how we forgive. This is about the heart. This is about how we can forgive. Jesus is about the heart and how that heart changes and melts and is made new. That is what salvation is. That is what being saved is. It's a new heart. It's really a new life. It's a life to go over them again where where our relationships are different. I mean these verses. Our relationships will be different because we're merciful. We give mercy. We give mercy freely. Readily. We are pure in heart. Our inner life is changed. Our heart is new. We have a new direction in life. And purpose in life. in that we are peacemakers. We walk through this life as peacemakers. And then... When we are persecuted, as we will be, we know that will only make me stronger because we're so secure in Jesus. We have the family of Jesus. We have the power of the Holy Spirit. And we will be persecuted. Jesus promised that. But it will only make us stronger. The trials, the challenges, the things that we face will make us stronger. Do you know that? Do you have that? If you don't, you can have it today. Today. We want you to have it today. It's a new heart. It's in Jesus. It is a changed heart. Now let's just uh, let's just look at that one verse. Uh, this is on forgiveness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the merciful. How do you forgive? Let's get into that. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Because you're saying in the new heart, you give mercy that you forgive. Now it's important to know this is really it's really important for y'all to know. Mercy is different from grace. We talk about grace all the time. Grace is a gift. ...that goes undeserved. Grace is what we get. Grace is a gift that is not deserved. Mercy, though, is different. Mercy is you see someone suffering... ...and you alleviate it... ...even even at great cost to yourself. You see, mercy always entails a cost. It always entails absorbing a cost. For example, if some of y'all came and met with me in my office... And let's say you got so, you know, mad and frustrated at me. I mean, I don't want that to happen. Let's say you did and you picked up the lamp in my office and just shattered it. Okay? I mean, just, that's never happened. Okay? Come close. No, just kidding. It's never happened. But, and I don't want that to happen. Let's just shatter the lamp. And then I said, look, I forgive you. Don't worry about it. You know, I got the lamp. I'll pay for it. I absorb that cost. When, when you give mercy, you absorb the cost for yourself just as God absorbs the cost. Jesus absorbs the cost for us. You give mercy. So you can't you can have mercy without grace, but you can have grace without mercy. So mercy is your alleviating and suffering even at cost yourself. There are two types of mercy in the Bible. Uh, one is forgiveness. We see this a couple places. There are going to be a few verses up on screen. Matthew 18. You don't have to go there, but Matthew 18. Jesus tells a parable of a king who has a servant who is in great debt, and the king forgives a servant, but then the servant goes and doesn't forgive others who owe him money. And Jesus says in the parable, should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? The king being God, having mercy, and when we don't have mercy, that saying we should have mercy on one another. The other is Matthew 6, which is interesting, the end of the Lord's Prayer. The very end of the Lord's Prayer and Jesus says, if you, or if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others' trespasses, neither will the Father forgive yours. A big part of mercy is forgiveness, is forgiving others. The other one is, I would say, costly giving. You know, when it costs us something to give. Uh, A wonderful example is the parable of the Good Samaritan. Uh, Many of y'all know that. Many of y'all learned that in Sunday school where a person helps someone who is different and is hurting at great cost to themselves, pays for his room, takes care of him, shows him mercy. It was costly giving. And we're called as Christians to give of ourselves and it costs us something. I always say, you know, if it doesn't hurt, you know, a little bit, I mean, are, are you really giving at all? You know, we're, we're asking our, our Bellwether brothers and sisters, you know, our members, uh, to give in a costly way over the next year and a half. One is locally. We say meet the need. You're going to hear me talk about that. To go and serve our neighbors, to uh, help cook a meal, to prepare. That takes time. That takes effort. It costs us uh, something to do that. And with raise more, that we want to raise more for mission and ministry. So you think about, well, if I give more, then am I going to be able to have that date night? Are we going to be able to have dinner? I mean, costly giving, mercy always costs something, and we absorb that cost. Now, can you imagine a place, imagine a place where people forgive easily and readily, where people serve one another and also serve uh, and love their neighbor in, in a great way? When people say, hey, I'll go to the map for you anytime," Hey, I've always got your back. When good is exchanged, when evil is done. All the time. Can you imagine a place like that? That would be a church. That would be who we are to be. That would be a church in the Bible. That would be the church now. And the only way that happens, and this is key, is not in us. It is in Jesus, in looking at his Perfect record. So that, let me close this hat. Go back to that question. You're, you're like, man, I still just want to know how to forgive. And, you know, I got this problem with maybe it's uh, my spouse, maybe it's my kids, maybe it's with my mom. It's kind of a tough day. How do I forgive? How do I forgive? Like, I'm not here to make you feel guilty. I do want to help answer that question, how to be merciful, how to be merciful. Let me, I have the same problem some of y'all may, and it's a struggle to forgive. And whenever it's a struggle to forgive, I think back, what has Jesus done for me? Some of you are saying, Preach, you always say that. I want to flesh it out. And again, it goes back, we can't do it on our own. Like sometimes there are are people that I need to forgive. I, I don't have it in me to forgive. But I look to Jesus, and he melts my heart, and he helps me forgive. Here's what I mean. I look at three things, what Jesus did for you, for me, for us. This is really important. I look at the quality of his suffering quality of his suffering if after the sermon or after any sermon one of you came up to me and said I hate you that would hurt please don't do that but I mean it may happen in the course of my ministry but you know I hope you don't but if somebody said that that would hurt Uh, that would pain me But let's say somebody closer Uh, let's say I use Jack and Logan let's say Ethan Ethan grows up after sermon he comes up and he says I hate you dad I hate you, it would really pain me, like really pain me, but worst of all, I'm not going to look at her, but if my wife came up and she said, I hate you, uh, that, would, that would hurt the most. See, the quality of Jesus' suffering is when he was on the cross, his father turned his back from him. Uh, they, they weren't separated, let me be clear there, because that's a big understanding of, of the Trinity, God the Father. But when we talk about Jesus receiving the wrath of God on the cross, wrath can be hate for us. So my wife and I are married, and when you're married, you are to be one. And unfortunately, some people experience that that I just talked about. And then some people experience separating and unfortunately, some people experience divorce and some of y'all know about that. But imagine Jesus, the Son, God the Father, who had been together since you know, all eternity, all time. And God turns his back and says, you're going to take this. You're going to take this. How he suffered for us, for you and me. I think of the, the quantity of suffering. A few weeks back, We were talking about the Garden of Gethsemane. How he sweated blood just thinking about what was to come. Just thinking about the cross. Just thinking about that cup of wrath. He sweated blood. The greatness of his suffering. And I think of how he voluntarily, he went to it. You know, you think about, well, he was in the garden and the disciples were asleep and the guards were gone. He could have bailed. You know, he said, man, I'm going to, you know, Take this elsewhere and run off. And yet he still, I mean, we miss that sometimes. He still walked to the cross for you and for me. So see, when I have a problem forgiving someone, I mean, I really look hard at what Jesus did. Those aren't just like, that's not a cliche. That's not like a catchphrase. Look at what Jesus did for me, how he suffered for me, how he suffered for you. It's personal. And it is very, very key when you're looking at mercy and forgiveness, say, I don't have it in me. I don't have this capacity to forgive. So I've got to look to you, Jesus, and look at what you've done. And in you, I can forgive. One story and I'll close. A lady, a girl named Corey Tin Boone. Uh, some of y'all are familiar with her. Christian writer, speaker. She lived during World War II in Holland. And she went to a concentration camp. And she suffered terrible things there that no little girl, she was a little girl then, should ever have to I uh, just face, uh, experience, and go through. Uh, she was a Christian, became a Christian, uh, and afterwards began to write about how Jesus was with her in the midst of the concentration camp. Some of you may have read some of her books, Corrie Ten Boone. And she became uh, uh, sought after as a speaker to share her testimony. And she swore she would never go to Germany again. She'd lived through the concentration camps, experienced all that. She said, I'm not going to go back there. She got an offer to come and speak in Germany. She prayed about it. She went. And she said, over the years, years, that she was in the concentration camp, there was one guard she would see almost daily who mocked her, uh, spat on her, degraded her family, probably did things to her, that she hated, said, I hated him with every fiber of my being for how he abused me and treated my family. I hated that man. She goes to speak in Germany and in the audience, that man is seated. She sees him. She gives her talk. She gives her testimony. And she looks at him and she says, I could tell from really the way his, his face was, his facial expression. That he'd been converted, that he was responding, that he had joy in his face. So I continued my speech, he said, and afterwards he came up to me and he extended his hand and he said, Dear sister, remember when I said at the beginning of the service in Christ for brothers and sisters? Dear Sister Corey, isn't it wonderful that we love and worship a God who forgives? She said she thought in her mind, she said, God, there is nothing in me that can forgive this person. I hate this person still with every fiber of my being. Yet, you can do anything, Father. And you call us to extend mercy and to be peacemakers. So she said, therefore, what I can't do, you are doing this in me she said she reached out her hand and then they embraced. And she used this. She said, actually, it was not, you know, someone who had hurt someone else embracing. It was really two murderers embracing one another. Because if you see the cost of the cross and you say, Jesus did this for all of us, then we're all murderers. Jesus went to the cross for all of us. And so she said, it was one murderer Embracing another. And she said when she did that, it felt literally like warm oil was poured over her. And she said the hate in her heart was gone. Do you have this? I just said we don't have that capacity in us. Do you have Jesus who gives us this life of being merciful, of a pure heart, of living as a peacemaker, And even when we're persecuted, we can shine and be made strong. I want you to have it today. May we stop relying on ourselves and look to the perfect record that Jesus gives us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray we would see really, truly that our record means nothing. And if we live on our record, we cannot live as you call us to live. Yet if we look to you and turn to you, And are healed and saved by you. We can can forgive those that we never imagined or dreamed we could forgive. We can be peacemakers. We can have a pure heart. And we can walk in in the greatest joy, perhaps even in the biggest suffering. Because you are there. And you make us strong. I pray these people would know that. I pray they'd be saved. Really, truly. I pray we wouldn't just stop it trying to clean ourselves up, but we would look and shift our attention on the perfect record, Jesus, that you have done and given us. In your name, amen.